All right, all right. Well, welcome to another episode of the Digital Recruiter Podcast. I'm your host, Clark Wilcox, and I have a very special guest today. Uh, we're, we're, I'm going to learn a lot today. You're going to learn a lot today. It's going to be great. We have uh, Diane Prince, who is who started her staffing agency in her house, grew it to eight figures, sold it to a public company for $28 million. Guys, we're going to learn a lot today. She's exited and built and exited four more businesses. She's taught other entrepreneurs the five-step framework to building an eight-figure recruiting uh, recruiting business. She's got her program now, Recruiting Agency 360, that's helping owners uh, build and execute recurring revenue models. Uh, so you can have predictable income, right? Kind of similar to a digital recruiter, but I don't know. I I, I might be out shined here today. Uh, <laughs> she was in Malibu for the longest time, close to my old stomping ground in Santa Monica. Now she's in Phoenix, she's got family, three kids, and just uh, a wonder woman, I think, in agency recruiting. Diane, thanks for being here. Hey, Clark. How you doing? This is good. I think it was the longest, most deserved intro I've had on this podcast. Uh, so I am excited to dig in and talk to you and learn more because uh, I think you have such a cool background and a lot of people need to hear stories like this and, and like yours and know that it's possible uh, to build a real agency and to have a good time and a good life and do it the right way and not just be running gun all the time. So I'm excited to, to learn more today. Yeah, glad to be here. Awesome. Well, let's dive in. We're going to go all the way back to the beginning. How did you get into recruiting? Okay. Well, I love what you said about knowing that it's possible because this is very possible. So, um, so I got into recruiting because, and I know, I know what your next question is going to be. So they tie, they tie in together. <laughs> uh, so, okay. So I always go, go from like the vision first and why starting a business. So for me, it wasn't, I had no experience. I tempt, I was, I was a temp in college and grad school. Um, that's a whole other story, but um, I wanted to start a business that I could sell. So like that was our, that was our goal was to start a business that we could build and exit and retire in our thirties. So that's how it started. And then we knew we had to find a business model that could help us to achieve that. So we worked backwards from there. Interesting. And so I got so many questions. What was the temp job? Number one. Oh, okay. At the temp job that I started yeah, with? Yeah. Okay, I'll be like super brief. I used to, in college, I used to get um, work permits to work abroad. And I, when I was 19, I found myself tapping beer at a pub in the middle of Piccadilly Circus in London. And I, I obviously knew nothing about tapping beer. And back then, people in Europe didn't really type. This is totally aging me. But, and, um, and so I was pouring a, beer very badly for an English man. And he said, how fast do you type? <laughs> because obviously, <laughs> I couldn't pour beer. I couldn't have a beer. And um, and I, it turned out I was about 80 words a minute. So the next day I got a job. As a, and I temped all through London, which was fantastic because I took short-term assignments. So I got to, I got to learn all about different areas of London. And then I did, and so like all through college and grad school, like, receptionist, um, we're pro- you know, secretary, admin assistant, that kind of thing. 
I, mm-hmm. I love that. I love uh, Piccadilly Circus. Is great. I've been out there. My sister lives out there, uh, and has also actually, you know, has done the temp, you know, masters, temp, all that out in London. So there's a whole connection yeah. there, uh, which yeah. is actually pretty cool. Uh, so London, the glass, the glass blower. <laughs> I, I I know what that is, but not the pub. No, I am not familiar with that. But that is hilarious. <laughs> so you got the job, eighty words per minute. So you can type fast and be work with done quicker and then get someone else to actually pour you your beer. So no, you, you flip that around pretty good. That's awesome. That is such a cool actually, story. I, yeah. I have to tell you that on my very first assignment, because I was so clueless, um, I overheard the office manager say to another employee, remind me never to hire a temp again. <laughs> That's my first assignment. <laughs> You've come a long way. <laughs> You've come totally a long way. My, my American accent. <laughs> yeah, it's that's pretty. That that's great. Yeah, because the name. Yeah, you you wouldn't know. So that is, I mean, that's classic. That's like truly. My the my foray into aerotech was being called about a temp job. I didn't take mm-hmm. it, but it was like that was you know I got called, and that's how I learned about the industry. So all right, you're traveling, you're 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 spilling beer, you're typing, you do all this. What? It, where did the inspiration come from to just like at that age to be like we're gonna build and sell a business? Like where where'd that come from? Yeah, it was a, it was a few years later because then I went to grad school. I taught French. And yeah. I went studied French, and then um, and I was married, and so we decided. I don't know. We just wanted. We were like getting up every day and going to these jobs, and um, I was working. Then I was working after grad school as a computer reseller, and and um, and it was just like we were like, are we just going to do this and go to jobs, you know? And um, so it was kind of came from that, and like let's let's do something else. I love it. I love it. So how, how'd you go about it? I mean, you had been a temp, you, you landed on recruiting. So I get you, how'd you land on staffing and recruiting? Uh, well, because, so we kind of put it together. So what we did, knowing what our goal was mm-hmm. to build a business that we could sell, we had, well, then we just started brainstorming and it was, it, you know, it didn't take that probably a few weeks, just like writing down, talking to everybody, like what kind of business could we start? And so my father was in title insurance. And if you don't know what that is, it's okay. Like most people don't, but (laughs) my father was in the title insurance business for his whole career. And he had gotten my husband a job in title insurance. And so we just kind of put it, there are a lot of reasons why it was a really temp there, why a temp agency for title insurance employees was a good idea. We're in Southern California. And there was, there was just, there was a lot of volatility they would traditionally lay off every twice a month. So there are a lot of reasons. So it was just, it was my dad's idea. We were at, at pizza one night and he goes, why don't you start a temp, temp agency for title insurance people? We're like, oh, that sounds like a, it's actually a really good idea. That's a nice little niche, right? It's almost like that might be a recurring theme here, but uh, yeah, it, it's it kind of, so you have that, how, I mean, how'd the first year go? Yeah. I mean, first it started just like we started business planning and stuff like that. So we did did some groundwork, but really, I mean, we bought a book that was, you know, those dummies books, like the yellow yeah. and black. So there was actually a book that we bought that was how to start a temp agency for dummies. And I've looked, I've searched to try to find that book. I have not found it, but that's basically what you and I do, right? Like we teach people how to start yeah. agencies. <laughs> yeah. so, that would be uh, a great new LinkedIn headline, by the way. So yeah, yeah that's open. Right? Yeah. There you go. There you go. And um, yeah, so then we just, you know, started planning and then put an ad, you know, back then it was an ad in the LA times three line ad for a a title assistant for like one of the roles. 
And then um, first we got a resume. And I mean, I mean, back then it was P.O. box and I would go at work. I'd go to my lunch break and check the P.O. box. The day that I got the first resume, I literally cried. I could not believe that someone sent me a resume. <laughs> they thought that was so amazing that I got a candidate. And um, and then that day, the next day I quit my job. So um, then then just started like one candidate. You got this. <laughs> you're down like you're in it. <laughs> yeah, it was funny I love it. I I gave them my notice the next day and they were like, the people I work with are like, that's such a risk. And I'm like looking around at this office with cubes and I'm like, no, this is the risk. Like stay here. <laughs> yes. That's the risk. So then, yeah. And then we just like, you know, I quit first and just started putting like one step in front of the other, like literally knew nothing. I mean, did not know about, cause we were, we were an, an employer. Like we became, you know, we were had all our attempts were W2 employees. So it's like, which is literally one step at a time. Like, oh, we got to figure out payroll. I mean, first we we got a client almost right away because I checked that person's references. You know, I first I, you know, and we also, you know, rented a house like near where we thought our clients were going to be. And it turned out they yeah. were an hour away, our first client. So it was all, you know, but really the point is like you said, um, showing people that it's possible. I mean, it was literally like every one step at like, what's okay, what do we have to do next? What do we have to do next? And I just kept on, kept on executing. I love it. It's, I mean, it's what we, I mean, we teach all the time and there's a recruiter. I got to imagine we're going to get into your program as well, that you're doing the same thing, but it's just, you got to put in the work like, and it's not sexy. It's just like that stuff. Like you figure out one problem at a time and you build and you build, but if you have the mindset for things to build on each, off each other, right? I mean, that's, I, I, got, I know that's, I got to imagine that's what you did. Like that's, like you, but you just start, right? I've said it time and time again, this podcast, mm -hmm. if you expect automation to do all the work for you, if you expect content to do all the work for you, you're in for a rude awakening and a disappointment, right? Like you, this is the job at the end of the day, you got to get this stuff yeah. down and then all the other stuff becomes fun to add on. And it's really cool to have now in 2024 versus, you know, late nineties, right. To have some of this opportunity. Also, this comes with more competition too, but mm -hmm. like, it, this is it. Like, it's the grind, right? Uh, for me, it was like trying to figure out what forklift drivers did and the different types of forklifts. And, you know, the margins weren't that great. The pay rate wasn't that great. But like, that's just how I learned a job, right? Yeah. And you can always do, you know, you can always attach different niches and industries or whatever. But like, you can't shortcut the reps and just the hands-on, like getting kind of kicked in the teeth a little bit over and over and over again. You're like, man, I thought I just had this down. And then a whole other problem comes up. So, I, I, it's just inspiring when I hear that because it just is a, always a constant reminder that there's no shortcut for just the grind of this. Yeah. But when it's your own business, it's way different, right? It feels way different. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's like a, there's a kind of a myth right now because people, you know, and I've done a lot of different executive coaching, not just, not just recruiting founders. And I mean, there's like this myth that is being sold to people that you can like just start a business and not really work. <laughs> but it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. And it's crazy. I tried that in 2018. Uh, I was broke in 2019. Uh, it did not work out very well for me. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, licked my wounds and went back to the drawing board. Mm -hmm. I was like, what do I actually want to do and work on? And then I got to the right direction and what I would do. So it's yeah. like, all right, I've admitted that I, I want to work consistently. It's just finding things that are worth your while. That is a challenge. Don't get me wrong, but it's like, that should be the drive. Cause it gets, gets kind of, I mean, the four hour work week or whatever, like I, I just get bored. I, do, I mean, there's only so much like, you know, 
stuff that you do you want to go like solve problems right i think that's more it's what's more interesting um, yeah no, yeah I'm, and i think it probably took tim ferris a, a lot a lot of work to get to that to arrive to four hour weeks <laughs> yeah and he's still doing stuff he's still everywhere doing things right so it's like he's not even following his own advice uh so it, it's you know it's simply how it works but so you build up the firm when did you i mean well you got your first resume. You're like, I made it. But when, when, how long did it take to like become when well, you felt like you were established? It, you know, it didn't take that long within. Yeah. So um, within the first few months, we were, we were making a profit. Um, yeah. it, it really didn't take that long. Like, you know, we did the whole, like from start to exit was six years. So within, you know, we did our first million the first, within the first year. So it, it did not take that long. And that was, this is all like a uh, contract, contract to hire, right? Pay rates, bill rates, um, yeah. all that good stuff. Was it any direct hire? Yeah. Not very minimal, but very not minimal. really. Like I have done direct hire, like, you know, more recently, but it was very, very few direct hires. Some, some mm. contract to hire. Well, actually most were, most were contract to hire turned out to be like a lot of times that you bring someone in as a contractor, but then they turn out to be contract to hire. But it was it was mostly contractor temp to hire. Gotcha. And mm -hmm. so you built up what was I want to get to you know definitely exit and all that, but I'm actually curious now that we were talking about this more. What was business development like then? It was so that's a yeah. good question. It's so funny. It's like to think about things before. I mean, in every like by the way, like every technology. I, I was there for like monster. We were like at the um, like beta testers. We were beta testers for indeed, like when everything yeah. was free and like the founders were begging us to try it. So, um, but yeah, so that is kind of, and, you know, even LinkedIn, like people were so freaked out about their employees being on LinkedIn. That means they're looking for a job. We're not going to allow them to be on LinkedIn, but in biz dev was, you know, okay, here's something that people that is the same in biz dev that people usually overlook is the the connect the, the connecting people and connecting the dots that is still the same but because of automations and don't get me wrong i do automations i like cold sequences and things like that but because all that's available and all of the content about it people forget the that we're actually we're in the people business and we're talking to people every day and connecting the dots of those people. So like my first client who was, became a giant client was from um, calling references from that first, that first resume. And we got a client straight away from that. And, you know, we called and we're just like, we, we were, before we changed our name, we were called Title Temps. So I was like, hey, this is Diane Prince from Title Temps. And they'd be like, what, do, what is Title Temps? And I'd be like, oh, like... <laughs> What you don't know, you know. Then, <laughs> We're gonna be all over Google. No. <laughs> Where have you been? You know, like the weekend. <laughs> but literally, that's how it, that's how it happened. And then just yeah. um, so references, and I mean, up to this date, I, I get clients from references. Uh, so just really, it was a lot of connecting the dots, and um, we, we did trade shows and things too. But it was mostly, and also from our our temps, you know, like our contractors. And cause sometimes people will say, well, I just talked to this, this business, this agency last week. And they're like, well, we, we can't like our contractors don't have any connections. They're, they're $15 an hour employees. I'm like, ours were like $7 an hour employees. Like it doesn't like we got, we got business from being curious, like 
with our building relationships and especially when you're in a tight niche like we were you can make relationships and you get so much information from just being curious about you know talking to your contractors you, you click something there for me that i've talked about forever and I know you have as well is the connecting the dots is like that's the explanation right you get curious to then connect the dots that's our job like that's what this is, right? Like it's it's really as simple as that. So if you're not curious or you're not looking to connect dots, it's really not going to work out for you, right? And it's you got to look into kind of why that is. Well, have you been fed business? You come from a big corporation. You don't have to really like think through things as much. You know, situation, but like that's how you make stuff happen. And I love that you said that because that never has changed. Those are the principles of what this is, right? People, matchmaking, what makes sense, and mm-hmm. everything you're saying is always what's in it for them. Right. The references. Right. It shows quality. Right. All that stuff, an experience that they haven't had maybe before from another agency. And even the referrals, you know, people like that if they are doing a good job and they have a good job, they get excited about it. So capitalizing on all that work you did to create that, it's also really smart. So like you're also just leveraging all the work that you're doing. Right. We're having to start from zero every single time. Right. Everybody's a warm lead. Anyone you've ever interviewed for a job. Anyone who, anyone you you know, like I mean, I guarantee you, if 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 anyone if anyone listening to this has had had a business for any length of time, or been in recruiting, or like been a been in a job or a human on this yeah. planet, like you have <laughs> you have warm leads. And if I guarantee you, if you you contact, like you even spend twenty minutes, even fifteen minutes a day, just texting people or whatever, you know, hey, how is it going? How's your job? You are going to get business if you are, cons- and it's all about consistency. Consistency, right? We talk about the approach, mm-hmm. the system, and consistency. That's what equals results in great clients. Like, but you have to have all three. Um, I love it. All right, let's get into the exit, right? What was that process? I mean, you you planned for it from the start. Mm-hmm. What what was that you know process? Or I guess maybe we could talk about what do you have to have in place first, right? How should you kind of think about it? And then we can kind of go into what that actually was like for you and how it played out. Yeah. Well, first of all, the most important thing is to to build a, a business, to build a real business and a profitable business and just a yeah. solid foundation. Because mm-hmm. even if you don't exit, you're, you're going to have a business. And also you want to, you, some people decide not to exit. I mean, there were people that started at the same time as I did and they're, they're billionaires now because they're still going. You know, yeah. so it's really a decision of what you want to do. That wouldn't have been the track for me. I mean, it'd be nice to be a billionaire, honestly, but um, but I'm not, you know, I'm more of like a builder and seller and get out and do something else. And yeah. it, but anyway, um, so things in place. One is um, your numbers. They have to be clean. You have to have solid accounting. You have to have things intact, right? Like get really clear. And it's, it's, it's so common with entrepreneurs to be vague with numbers and not really have like a clear idea. And that's, and if that's anyone listening or whatever, it's, you're not alone. That is just so common. So even um, if you're listening to this and you're like, whoa, like I have no idea, just very common, just start. You can even just start by getting, just knowing, like knowing, just getting some clarity around that, but also then having, you know, having a finance person and having your books in order. So that's one thing is, is accounting your numbers, uh, team, you know, like there came, a, there came a, po- a point where um, 
because we, we would have, we would talk to advisors and say, okay, where here's where we're at now. What's the next step? And so we knew that we wanted to, we didn't want to stay with the business. Like we wanted to sell it and, um, and leave. And so we had to put an executive team in place that wanted to stay. So that was, that's the other thing is team. And, um, and oh, recurring revenue, recurring revenue. And that's why I help, you know, one of the things I do is help people who have direct hire businesses productize and turn their business model into recurring revenue. You might still do contingency, but to add a recurring revenue model because what it, you know, that's, that's what people want to see. Cause otherwise if they buy the business and everything goes away, that's, it's not attractive. And that's where you know, we've been doing that. Like Lauren, my business partner, like she's um, did a lot with like retained and like kind of monthly retainer and all that. So we do that for clients as well. You know, we've just brought mm-hmm. on another client that we're doing some exclusive contingent work for them, but they want to start payrolling, you know, the people that they bring on that they hire payroll them through us because they hire consultants and everything. So mm-hmm. we're kind of starting that piece of it as well. And it's just kind of diversifying and not to tackle it all at once, but you can layer these things on right? Bit by mm-hmm. bit. So. Yeah. Yeah. And you also want to have, to your point, you want to have a um, an anchor client strategy. What I, So you want to have a diverse, diversified client base. I was just yeah. talking to someone today, actually two different founders who said their revenue was 75% one client. So you really have cool. to have, like we had my, my niche. So we expanded into mortgage. Our biggest, this is another company, our biggest client was Countrywide Home Loans. They're CEO was literally, if you Google him, he was the, like, he is the poster child of the 2008 financial crisis. He was our biggest client, went bank, countrywide, went bankrupt, then bank B of A took them over. They, we'd lost all that business, but still stayed in business because we had a diversified client portfolio. How did you manage, this is a question that comes up a lot. How do I get more clients while I'm working on the roles with current clients? Like, how do you balance that or find, is there even a balance there? But like, how do you go about that process or your thoughts? Yeah. Like when you're in the weeds and trying to. Yeah. It comes up all the time and you just kind of spark that. And I was like, it'll be good to get your take on it because this is a big issue I hear over and over again, right? Well, I got these recs to fill. I can't go do business development, right? And now we can do a lot of the fun stuff with automation and content, but a little bit different there. I mean, how would you handle it kind of, you know, at, at that stage, kind of in that era? Yeah, well, you've always got to build pipeline. You've always got to, oh. and, and it is, it's so common to, to stop building pipeline because either you're overwhelmed with the work that you're doing because you're in the weeds or because you're so confident that you have business that you're not building pipeline. But that's, that is the most important thing. So it goes back to what you said at the beginning about working, like at the beginning, if it's just you or you and a partner or whatever, you have to work your ass off. Like we went like back then, like we literally had manila folders with our candidate, like that was our ATS with our candidates. And we were like, we'd have like, on one side, okay, these are the orders we have. And then we're like, these are the candidates we have. And we're now figuring out how to put them, how to put yeah. them in those slots. And yeah. so one thing that I would recommend that recruiters do is also take take more authority and more of a consultative role with your clients because people get sort of like um little bit like, I don't know, like not confident when, when presenting candidates, 
So be be have, be consultative and have conversations about your candidates. So you're not so like um, you have, you want to have a better chance of filling the roles, right? If you, the way if we're talking about you know contingency or you know staffing too, but um, and then so at the and and when you're at that stage, because I'm guessing if people are asking that they're early on, right? They're like one or two people. So look at you'd be surprised. You know? You'd be surprised. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, then it, yeah. then it could be a management issue. It could be a, you know, it could be a leadership and management issue. Cause that's, you know, that's, that's something I help people with too, is like, how do you lead your team? How do you delegate? I mean, that's, that's likely. Yeah. It, it's uh yeah. The, Cause it's interesting, right? I mean, people, there's a traditional way, which is obviously this industry was built off of that, right? The the uh, the in-person ATS or the Manila ATS system, right? Uh, that that's great, and but just even kind of the thought part, like yeah, there are one big clients, and you know that's the people that join you know, digital recruiter. It's like when they have that, they know like I it's great now, but I gotta join this. I gotta put in the work, the approach to kind of get ahead of this, and then some that join and some that don't that don't get ahead of it. like, Oh, maybe I can kind of just wait it out another six months. I'm like, you just can't like, you gotta be on it really yesterday. Right. Like when you ever ask a hiring manager what the start date is, they always say yesterday. It's the same thing with prospecting and recruiting, right? You, you gotta be on it yesterday if you're not on it today. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's just, it's huge. So you, you had the folders, were you going out like just walking in? I mean, for me at AirTech and you know, in the LA, I was kind of in, near your hood like I was just walking in with my best references, my best candidates. I love what you said about knowing the candidates and understanding them. You know, they mm -hmm. would always teach us to have like, have a five minute G2 is what they called a candidate screen. But I was on the phone for like 20, 30 minutes. And when I was starting out, cause I wanted to know everything about the candidate. I got, I had to learn the industry, the skill set, And that's also why I hit like 10 K and spread faster than any other recruiter in the office, because mm -hmm. I spent five months, you know, five times, five times the, you know, 30 minutes versus five versus what they told me, but it worked out because I knew my candidate. I knew how to present them, knew how to sell yes. them to the manager and eventually the client. Um, so then you were just doing that to like walking into people. Was it like into factories, like the offices or like how'd that go? Oh, like for biz dev or? Is that yeah, right? for biz dev. Like once you talk yeah. to the candidate, you get to know them. Like, is it just walking in the door? Is it cold call? Was it, yeah, like looking at ads? Yeah. It was more, it was more like as far as, well, candidates, they would come to the office, which was our house at first. And then, um, and then we did, our first office was actually in the title insurance plant. So there were, we were in, we were in the office where all the title insurance companies were. So that was pretty epic. You know, we were the, like no one else had a, like of no other vendor or supplier had an office there. So just thinking about different um, different ways that you can do business. Like no one was doing that. So we actually had, you know, people could come by and pick up their paychecks and it was, you know, we were right there. Um, but yeah, a lot, a lot of phone calls, but even like I, you know, up like current, I mean, more current, I, um, I was at a tech recruitment agency and that really made, you know, I wanted, I wanted to get back in and get like, you know, like newer experience and see what that was like. So I was at a tech recruitment firm in LA and they hired me to help them build out their contracting division. And we had, I mean, up until like 2020 and we interviewed pe people came to the office and we also gave, um, that was one of our KPIs for the recruiters as you got, you know, like that was one of the things you. It, it, IOIs, in-house interviews. Yep. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, it yeah. makes such a difference. And it, it makes me kind of think the people that started recruiting that didn't really have that or don't have that experience, right? Working in the pit with other recruiters, meeting candidates in person, like there is a dynamic that's missed when you don't have that. Uh, yeah. That really adds a lot of depth to like recruiting and what it is. Um, and it is interesting. Like I, I, I realized that at the end of 2022, really about a year ago, I was like, I'm teaching digital stuff to people that only know digital, but I have the whole experience and background of doing this, you know, feet on the ground, you know, boots on the ground, talking to candidates. I'm like, I have, a, I've actually had to share that perspective with so many people and start sharing that because they don't have context around that. And they kind of miss that piece. And I think you do miss a little bit of that getting curious, that digging, because it can be so impersonal if you don't watch out with zoom calls and like everything else, like, Versus that in person or having lunch with someone or having coffee, so it is. It's an interesting dynamic. And uh, do you see that too, kind of in your in your coaching business with the recruiters that you work with? Is that something that you have to like identify and address? Um, and if, yeah, I mean it's different yeah. now because every you know it is like things are remote. Everything's you know kind yeah. of things aren't really local as much. So I mean I do think that you can build that relationship on Zoom. It's not not quite the same, but it is getting to know your candidate. And and I want I wanted to just when you said about the people like you're so busy filling the racks and everything. One thing I did want to say about that was um, in those stages, like where you're, where you're overwhelmed and you look at things like creating SOPs. So like, and, and if you look at it, like, okay, this is the state right now we're overwhelmed. Like right now we have so many racks to work on. We can't do biz dev. Okay. So I would always look at that as, okay, as I'm doing, like, look at this as, okay, this, I've identified this. This is going to be a temporary state. We're going, we know we have to get it all done. This is temporary. And at the same time, okay, I'm doing all of this. I might be working 12 hours or 15 hours or whatever. It's temporary. And I'm going to be, at the same time, I'm creating SOP. So I'm always looking at things like, okay, if I'm feeling overwhelmed, how am I going to train other people? Like, how am I going to create this SOP so that I can, so that I can scale and train other people to do this? Absolutely. So you kind of hit that limit because there's going to be long 70, 80 hour work weeks in recruiting. And I'm sure you had weeks that was more, right? especially if you're doing payroll, collecting time cards and all this other stuff, right? Uh, so always thinking when you kind of hit that breaking point, getting on paper, SOP and being able to delegate it. Uh, that's definitely something I have to work through all the time now. I'm not the be I do a lot more messaging form than this is maybe organized SOP, although AI can kind of help with that uh, now, which is, which is good. So you can document it in the moment while it's busy. And just knowing that sometimes there are going to be those weeks and months where you just are working overtime, but it's like to work overtime to then have things kind of smooth out, right? Like you always have that vision of like, all right, this is a phase, like this is a sprint. I mean, like for yeah. me, there's a lot of sprints in recruiting. Like it's kind of is always a sprint. Like if you look at it that way versus this long haul, I think I found that to kind of be easier. I don't, I, I don't know about you, but that's mm -hmm. kind of how it helps my mindset. Yeah. Yeah. And you can also use ChatGPT for stuff like that. Like this, you know, yeah. as I said, like, this is what I'm doing. Like, this is my, this is my business. This is what I'm doing. I need, I need you to create an SOP for an employee manual to train my employees how to do this. And then you edit it, you know, yeah. that, is that's it what was the process of going through an exit like it was so i've exited in many different ways yeah. um so from like going through a whole process with an investment banker that was a 28 million dollar exit i did a million dollar exit with just like literally picking up the phone and calling people um it was well uh, one thing that i was told by one of our advisors is that 
the deal might is, will probably fall through five times before it closes. And that happened. Uh, we actually did have one deal that fell through and during 9-11, like literally their team from New York, from the trade centers was in LA doing diligence when the trade towers fell. So that was, um, that was the first deal that we had. That was a solid deal that fell through. And then at that, when that, after that happened, we decided that we were going to just hunker down and, and buy businesses. And then turned out, well, our first call, they were like, well, we have someone who might want to buy you. So it was a lot of, um, a lot of, it was a lot of work because it was complicated and we sold to a public company. So that deal was very complicated. It took, I, I basically like kind of took the forefront and the, and, and manage it with lawyers and accountants and stuff. But um, yeah, but you know, then it was when it happened, that was pretty awesome. Like when the money yeah. hit, the, the wire hit our bank yeah. account, that was, yeah. that was insane. Yeah. And so what do you, what'd you do when that happened? What was the next few months like? The next few months after the deal closed? Yeah. You just like chill on a beach somewhere. Did you get right back to work? Like, no, we didn't yeah. work because we had non-competes and stuff. So, um, yeah. no, we didn't work for three years um, until the non-competes expired and stayed home. I, I actually, I, this, I, we, so we had a party. So the, there was a limo waiting for us to go to the party. And for, and I, I had had two baby, I had two little kids then. And I did a pregnancy test. I don't know why I did it that like while literally the limo was waiting and realized I was pregnant. <laughs> so, <laughs> so at least you didn't get drunk. Like, I don't know either yeah. way. Like, it wasn't yeah. Fight, but yeah, we, we had some parties. Like we also had, so that party was with our, our team, like our close team, you know, lawyers yeah. or whatever, and um, families. And then we had a big party with friends in Vegas. And, um, you know, and I had a little, we had little kids. So it was, you know, it was. It was yeah, tamed yeah. down a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. it was, but having done that, honestly, and then um, it was pretty awesome because, you know, and then like, all, it was funny because like all the other parents at school would be like, they're so busy and whatever. I'm like, I was like, I don't know why y'all are so busy. Because <laughs> after like, after, after selling a business and then just like being home with, I'm, I'd be like, like I'd pick up the kids and be like, I don't know, like I read a novel today. <laughs> like, I, like, I, went, I went surfing and worked out and I read a novel. Like, I don't know what you guys are doing or why you're so busy. Because <laughs> I was like, nothing is as busy as building a business, right? Yeah. So, like, y'all, like what your issue is. <laughs> a little bit of a, a, a skewed perspective, right? Uh, you know, it's like it's that's a that's a really interesting, yeah, it's an interesting dynamic. So it's kind of cool. It seemed like you got to be able to, I mean, you got three years to right, really spend time with like family and kids and kind of and I mean, all that stuff. Did, and slow down. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm not saying you're not busy if you're a stay at home mom because you certainly yeah. are. But we we had nannies and housekeepers, so yeah, it was like yeah. so that. <laughs> That, that's an odd, that's an honest admission. Yeah, that, that's an honest admission. But even even that, it's still uh, you know, it, it's still it get a little chaotic. So I grew up in that type of household too. But um, that's really cool. I mean, really cool. A lot of work. You, know, you gave the three steps. You gave to like it's going to fall through a bunch of times. How did you vet the right people to work with? Like on the accounts, lawyers, investment. I mean, we we'll have to go in in on all that stuff. But I, I got to imagine right, there's a whole process there. Uh, like, how did you even go about it? Did you even know what you're, I mean, was there like some strategy behind that as well? Yeah. I mean, we still, when we first started, we had one lawyer that was like a, a guy my dad knew and then, and then we switched to a different lawyer. And so, um, you know, I don't know, like, were they exactly the right people? I don't know. We had, our investment banker was killer though. Like he was really well known in LA and he was, 
he was a, he was a shark. Like he was really good. And, um, and he really helped us to get, this is once, once you go to exit, it's funny because when you first start out, you're watching every penny. And then when you're exiting, you're so, you want the deal to happen so badly. You're like literally like walking away from like, you're like, just do it. Just sign it. Yeah. Cause you don't want to mess up the numbers or anything else. Like, yeah. yeah. It'll, be like, it'll be like, no, like that's a different, that's an extra $300,000. And we're like, no, just do it. <laughs> so yeah. like having him to be really like, that was a really learning experience, like huge. Yeah. Is, you know, I think he protected a lot of it because we were just so wanting it to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can build like a whole other LLC to like get that business in, but like don't mess with this one, you know, and all that. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> no, I know you can't quite do that, but um, okay. Yeah. That's cool. Really cool process. Um, cool story, kind of showing that it's possible. Let's get into because a lot of stuff I want to talk about some of the coaching stuff that you're doing, the productized stuff. Um, you know, we can talk about your first employee, hiring a first employee, we can talk about productized services. What direction are you thinking of going here? Yeah. Well, um, so what I help people with, we can talk about like both really briefly. So yeah. um, hiring, well, I'll just say like one, just a little plug for one little tip for hiring is so many people look for people with experience. I, I did not take that approach. My first employee was a 17-year-old student at Pasadena City College, and now she's head of APAC at Meta. So I hired for good people, right? Like like personality and dri being driven, Drive. being motivated. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, I, hey, sorry to say it, but there's a lot of not great recruiters out there. And there's a lot of people who are trained by not great managers. And I see that common mistake um, is hiring people because you think you need people with experience. And you, the first, so I, I think with with a startup, the first, there's two there's two roles that are the most important. One is that first person that's like the catch all, and that's what that person was to us. Like you can do anything, is willing to do anything, admin, sales, whatever you need. And then like now, you know, online business manager, integrator, someone who's, if you're having, have virtual assistants, someone who's managing, like I have a virtual assistant now, or she's not, she's more of an integrator. She finds, she does all my recruiting for my VAs and things like that, make sure everything runs smoothly. That's, that I think is the most important part. That's the most important role. And then, um, and then as you move on and as you're growing, you need someone on a higher level who's that person might move into that role, but you need an operator. You need a high level like COO integrator. If um, you know, you're a visionary entrepreneurial with most, most um, founders are. And then as far as productizing, so what, um, so if you, wh whether you want to exit or not, it's really like, that's the next level, right? So you can, and it, that it all goes back to vision, right? Like, so if you want to be a freelance recruiter, you want to, you don't want to deal with employees. I totally get that. Like there's, you know, no shame in that at all. Then a, a contingency, one person, two person, five person shop might be the, might be the way to go. That might be what you want to do because productizing does get more complicated. And you have employees and you're, you know, but if you do want to, if you want to get past that feast or famine mode and you really want a business that's going to scale without having to, to stress out if a direct hire is going to stick, then you really do want to productize your business. Right now, the main things like people that I work with, we main, mainly do um, about half of my clients are, are 
doing RPO, recruitment process, outsourcing, and different different um, different. Well, there's so many different options and how to handle RPO, how to do that. But people are doing really well with that, and then staffing. And there's you know there's pluses and minuses to both both of those. I mean, staffing is a little bit more complicated, but you really get a you can really get a toehold. You have if you have thousands of employees on temporary assignments or contracts, then you really you know businesses cannot operate without your employees. Right. And then that's that's where the multiplier, right? Because I don't think a lot of people listening to them know like the direct selling a direct hire business, there's almost no multiplier, right? But with a staffing and the contract, that's where there is a multiplier. I don't know if you want to kind of give a little bit of a one-on-one there for people listening that just might not be aware of the differences or be aware of that. Yeah. I mean, even, yeah, because it was interesting because um, when I was at Hire Cloud and I noticed that was my first real experience with a, a direct hire agency. And it was interesting because as I was teaching people how to do staffing, it was, they were kind of worried and didn't really know how to sell it, but it is, it is pretty similar. All you have to do is understand the numbers, right? Like you need to understand what, and it's not that complicated. So it's usually if they're W two employees, you just have to know what your what your your burden, and not to get too complicated, but like you know, it's usually eighteen percent is what you're going to pay if they're your W two employees. You can also do sometimes people do um, corp to corp, where the contractors have corporations. Again, not to get too detailed. If anyone wants to know, you can. I'm happy to share your links and post. And if you want to, you're, you're bringing me back to all my aerotech days, so I, I love yeah. it. Yeah, but just to keep it like super, so like I was working with um, this one recruiter asked me a couple of years ago. He said, um, "Can you help me to get some biz dev?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'll do. I'll, t- I'll take the challenge." And um, and so like he had no website, like. Li- only one star Google reviews, but the guy's a really good recruiter, but just had done some weird stuff. Like, just like, just, but like, was up and up, whatever. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'm up for this challenge. And so, I mean, I got him a contract that we're, it's still actually, you know, still like 40K a month. Just, and it's, you know, once you, what, it, that's with two contractors, by the way, two contractors billing 40K a month. So what's the, the um what's the take home typically? So you got the burden and all that. Yeah. Like you know, some people get confused by that, right? Direct hire, they see a, a check and like that's it, right? You figure out yes. taxes and all that. But like you got the bill rate, you got the pay rate. So you bill 40k a month. What are you typically yeah. looking at? Like ideally with margin, I know it depends on the skill set so, if you're in office, you know, everything else. Yeah. yeah. With, the, with those roles, I just do some calculations. So with those roles, they're bringing um I, they're bringing besides sales commission, they're bringing in about $25 an hour for those roles. So if you multiply that uh, by 2000, yeah, that's 50 K. So like, that's kind of the same as a 50 K placement fee, but, but it's consistent. And then you stack it. And so a lot of times, like I I got one contract um, that, that was at higher cloud and that was, it ended up being $2 million in billing, but then the contract extended, you know, sometimes they're two year contracts, they go to five year contracts, you know? So it's just, and then you just keep on stacking and stacking and stacking your, the, the contractors and you don't have, so you, you never have a, you know, you never have a goose egg month, you know, yeah. and then you build on, you know, you need to build on more than one client and clients but it's you know you just have that continuous revenue coming in every month and you don't need that you don't you know people say like i mean i built my our average employee was a 15 dollar an hour employee you know we had 700 people out so that's you know that's 50 million dollars 
So a lot of direct hire people don't even know how to go about contract. And as you said, it's for a lot of times it's just for me was they didn't even know it, it was an option, right? Sometimes people do are used to hiring managers are used to contract. They don't know that you can do direct hire. And some people are only used to direct hire. They don't even know you can do contract. Is there a way that you identify companies, people that you kind of figure are going to have some contract business or be good targets for that? Because I don't think our audience like is super clear on that piece. Yeah. It's when you're looking for contract, people ask me that a lot. Like, how do you know the difference? Is there a difference in biz dev? And the answer is yes and no. With the small to medium sized businesses or media, those are generally the clients I like to work with because the giant clients are all in MSPs. They're very low margin. Unless you have, I mean, to hold you a whole other, like we had one division that only serviced MSP and then sold, sold that to a private equity firm. But um, so if you're looking at bigger clients, like brand name enterprise clients, those are usually the ones I want to avoid because they're super low margin. They're working with like Manpower and Kelly and they have like, you know, you're not making much money on those. You want to go to, or I, I do like, I'd rather go to medium sized businesses. Sometimes you don't know um, if, if they have contractors or not, but usually like if you're looking um you can you look through the candidates and you can see like you can just do a google search or search on linkedin and see who's working contract roles you know there's a lot of people who are contract 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 and then you find out like you can call them and you know and you just kind of again like connect the dots yep discovery get curious all that stuff yeah but, that's... but also anytime that any any direct hire agency when you're if you're talking to the, because that's often the same person who's in charge of hiring contractors too. And if you just say, hey, do you need any contractors? See what they say and then call me. <laughs> I'll, tell you, I'll tell you how to do it. But you just yeah. say, Did you get, can I help you with contractors too? See what they say. I love it. It's just a great playbook. And I think people need to hear it. We haven't really covered it here. And that's what I was trained to do was exactly what you just said. So I learned a direct hire piece really a lot more after. And so it's always interesting on my, this is like, I don't know, you just kind of do it. Like, you know, and it's, so it's, it's a helpful breakdown. Um, I know we're going to have to kind of wrap up here in a few minutes, but I want to cover really two pieces if we can get to it. But first, something that you and I talked about when you're first starting out, if you lack experience, if you're maybe new to your offering or to your niche, right? how do you handle a sales call? Yeah. Uh, don't talk about yourself or what you do. Cause some people will be like, Oh, this is, you know, I, this is how I'm going to be the best. This, I'm going to get you the fastest <laughs> candidates. Instead ask, get into their pain points, understand what they're, what um, they're being measured when you, you're talking to either a hiring manager or a talent, someone from talent acquisition, find out, get to know them and get to know what, they like what is success to them and their roles like what are they being measured on okay because yeah. you want that everybody wants to look good everybody wants to look good to their their managers so you want to ask questions like that and then if if you're talking about a role or something to find out like get really deep into like what will help to solve their problem you know, you can even say, like, if you're presenting, you know, with this kind of candidate, you know, you can even find someone, a profile and say, is this the type of candidate? And you kind of talk through also bonus points to look at the um, 
the not required in the JD, like, you know, they'll, they'll be, most, most recruiters start with looking at the requirements and not the, the, the nice to haves. But yeah. if you start with the nice to haves that really, Oh, they have that too. They kind of assume you have the other ones. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So Test the job on, description too. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Focus on their pro how you're going to solve their problem. Let them talk about like, you know, kind of their pain points. And then, I mean, there's going ways to structure the call but really find out like what would be success for them. So make it about that instead of making it about you. Uh, absolutely. I feel like I've said that over and over and over again. I will continue to do so and it's totally okay. <laughs> yes. And I know you do as well. We'll end with this, right? Yeah. And you have the coaching company now recruiting right, AT360. Why you, you could do a lot of things, you know, a lot of things had a ton of success with why coaching, right? And why now? Well, I do have a teaching background and I love, I, so just something I've always, I've always wanted to do and it's, and why now? Well, I became an empty nester I've, and I was a single mom for years. So I, that's, you know, so uh, after being a single mom for years and I started, I've been, I've been a volunteer coach and a mentor throughout my whole career. Like I've helped with, you know, all sorts of different things like high schoolers and various things like vocational kind of um, coaching and mentoring. So I've always loved that. And it's just a natural part of my career at this, you know, like where I'm at in life. And it's just something that, and what I love seeing that the experience, because a lot of times as you probably can relate, like we take our own experiences and our own knowledge for granted. And then when we're talking to people and they're like, oh, wow, you know, and it's like a light bulb. And then we realize that we're able to really help people. That's that's exciting, you know, and then also like I love building businesses and I'm kind of obsessed with seeing if I can build a scalable, you know, scalable coaching business because I'm like, yeah. that's, that's my next challenge. Yeah, I, I love it. And I, I just am so happy that we met, that we came across each other, you know, LinkedIn yes. and that we've talked. I mean, this was action packed, a wealth of knowledge in this podcast, topics we really haven't covered before on this podcast. And I'm going to have to listen to it. Again, I'm excited to kind of keep talking to you, find, hopefully finding ways to collaborate. I know there's a ton of value you can add to the recruiter community. I got, I got my work to do to figure out what I can do to help, help you guys out. But uh, I feel like we're just going to keep learning and learning from you, uh, yeah. which, so I appreciate you coming on here, sharing all the, all the, the tips and experience and the, and the fun stories. You have awesome journeys. So uh, we'll get the LinkedIn, the URL, uh, the website, all that stuff on the episode page. So make sure to connect with Diane. Anything we want to leave the listeners with, Diane? Amazing. Yeah. I mean, I would just say like, since I, I was so glad meeting you and there's so many other amazing coaches in this space and it's just been fun. Like it's been so fun getting to know you and yeah. So anybody who's, yeah, anybody who's inspired, there's, you know, well, it, Reach call, out. call me, call Clark and we'll, you know, we'll tell you who to talk to. I, I always, yeah. I always say go to who you feel like you're going to actually learn from and implement. That's when, mm -hmm. I, you know, it's just like, who do you, like, that's who you go invest, right? That's why I don't mind talking, I can learn from different people. And that's how listeners are here, right? So it's like, this is just giving an opportunity, like, all right, out there, help is out there. Now it's just like, who can help, right? And there's different stages of helping too. So um, yeah. there's ways to work with everyone too. So um, yeah. awesome. Well, that'll do it. We'll let you go. And uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. Make sure to like, subscribe, all that good stuff. And uh, we'll see you next time.